Okay, I was just checking, bitch. Butch. House fucking shoes, bitch. Welcome to The Strange and Unusual, where we discuss the strange and unusual. This is episode 37 of our series, seeking out the weird, the unexplained, and the devious from around the world. I'm Roya. And I'm Casey. And today we're crossing the Pacific and visiting New Zealand, home of hobbits. Yes, that is true. I was really hoping I was going to find out that those little hobbit holes were haunted. (laughs) I, I I didn't find anything about them. I didn't I have a whole lot of hope for you in finding that. I was hoping. I like, mean, haunted I... by haunted by a wizard. Oh, a white wizard, a gray wizard, probably. Oh yeah, that's... the Gan- the Gandalf before he died, <laughs> the the pre white Gandalf, also known as the gray Gandalf. That's correct. <laughs> Thank uh... you. Uh, but I'm going to be talking oh, about okay. a couple of hauntings. Okay. In general. I was just hoping that the Hobbit houses, the Hobbit hotels were going to be haunted. Uh, and I will be talking about <laughs> something. Did, did you did you, just, did you watch me die just then? Yep. Reboot. I want that. <laughs> the, I need the uh, the window sound there. <laughs> do, 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 do. I was going to say like a dial, dial up modem. <laughs> What the fuck am I talking about? Oh, I'm talking about the uh, the murder of Lisa Hills. I don't think I'm familiar with that. Well, sit back and relax and enjoy this lovely, heartwarming oh, yeah. tale. There's a pun in there. Heartwarming, I'm guessing. <laughs> or tail. Does she have a tail? No, she did not have a tail. Uh, mine's a little rough. Should I go first? Yeah, probably, because mine's just hauntings. Okay, so my I started this, I started my notes with someone call Kelly and Yolanda, because we got a cold case that needs some fucking help. <laughs> uh, this case has been described as one of the most callous murders in New Zealand's history. Pack... You bags. <laughs> look, this is our a lot. You get for me. no, no sympathy. I offered to record later. You did. I wanted to do it before I went to bed. Yeah. Okay. So quit your bitching. So, picture it. Oakland, nineteen ninety eight. Might be Auckland. I don't oh, know. No. Uh. Anyway. Claire Elizabeth Green was born in England. When she was two years old, her family emigrated to Australia, where they lived in a hostel for four or five months uh, before settling into their home on, I'm so sorry, Australian people, Wollongong in Sydney. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Claire was the third child of a total of six children. And I think she might have... She, yeah, she might have had some Jan Brady vibes going on because when she was 15 years old, she skipped town with her boyfriend. And this was a boyfriend that her dad apparently did not approve of. So they left town. They moved to Melbourne where Claire worked on fishing boats until she fucked off again. Uh, This time she used a fake passport with the first name Lisa and she moved to Auckland on the North Island of New Zealand in 1985. So FYI, from here on out, I'm going to be calling her Lisa, uh, since that is the name that she was known by when she was in New Zealand. But um, because I did do research on this, uh, sometimes I think a Claire or two might slip in just because a lot of news outlets used her birth name, not her alias So, when Lisa was 21 years old, she converted to the Jehovah's Witness faith. Faith. I don't have a lisp, I swear. Uh, She had married a man (laughs) named Peter Hills, uh, but it didn't last long, and she eventually did divorce him, and she moved out on her own to a flat in Hearn Bay, just 
18 months before her death. It was April 28, 1998. Lisa woke up around 2.30 in the morning. She got ready for work, standard routine for her. She drove her black Mazda Familia, a hatchback car, to the airport about 30 minutes away, where she worked as a manager at the McDonald's. But as you likely expected, she did not make it to work that day. Around 6 o'clock that morning, a call was placed to emergency services, and police were notified of an explosion in a parking area for a local soccer club room at the Mangaray Mountain Domain. The witness uh, had been walking her dog. She claimed that she had seen a figure running across the soccer field away from the explosion, and uh, the officer who took the call failed to notify fire services. So the firefighters didn't arrive on the scene for another 30 minutes. Uh, At the heart of this explosion was a burnt out black Mazda Familia hatchback. Firefighters managed to put out the fire in just about five minutes. Lisa was found in the back of the car, bound and locked in the vehicle, charred beyond recognition. Well, she yeah, a- she was baking in there for 30 minutes. Yep. She was identified At least. using her dental records. And they found a McDonald's staff name tag that was um, in the back of the car and somehow survived the fire. It would be later discovered that she had, uh, I'm sorry, that her lungs had suffered damage from heat and were filled with soot. So she had been Ugh. alive at the time of the fire. Gross. Yeah. The pathologist also determined that she had had numerous fractures to the skull and there were bindings around her throat. She had likely been sexually assaulted before being covered in an accelerant and burned alive. Uh, That's some levels of hate. That is some... Yes. That is some overkill. For real. However, we'll get there. Uh, The police requested that... That's important. Later. (laughs) Uh, the police requested that anybody who may have spotted Lisa's car between 3 and 6 that morning would come forward with any information that they might have. Uh, they speculated that the accelerant had to have been brought by the killer since there wasn't anything around that w- could have been used. And it didn't seem likely that she would have had anything in her car for that purpose. Uh, so they suspect that this killer had gone to a service station or had stolen it from somewhere. Uh, They also noted that a steering wheel lock that Lisa was known for using was missing from the car. So that was something that they suspected had been taken, possibly as a trophy or, you know, just maybe it was the murder weapon or like the whatever hit her on the head. Um, But the lock was never found either. So Lisa had been scheduled to be at her job at 3.30 that morning, which is why she got up at 2.30 a.m., which is fucking crazy. Um... But her body wasn't found until three hours later, so police believed she was held for all that time before she was burned alive. And thanks to the asshat who didn't call the fire service, there wasn't very much left in terms of evidence. So it's hard to know if she was conscious or not, but good God, I hope she wasn't. Uh, Most sources claim that even if they had been called in time, they wouldn't have been able to save her life. Like, she was that far gone. Yeah. Um, but still, all that crucial evidence was missing. Uh, so, there were some witnesses that came forward. One witness said, uh, I quote, I won't forget it. I was going to the mountain at around 5.45 a.m. And as I got closer, I saw a man moving around a car at the soccer club. The next thing, I saw the, man- the thing go up in flames. I saw the thing go up in flames, not the man. I remember as I stood there thinking... Too bad. I know, right? I remember as I stood there thinking, if someone is in that car, there'd be no way anybody could get near it to help them. She goes on to mention that seeing the suspect running from the scene, uh, that he didn't realize she was there, and he ran straight towards her. Then he realized that she was there, and he just stopped. And they eyeballed each other. He turned around, and he ran back the way he came. She said, he definitely got a fright to see me. So she went to the property nearby and asked somebody to call triple one, which is their 
911. Uh, about the fire. And she said that she found out later that there was a body in the car. She felt sick. And then she tried very hard to remember the details of his face. There was a jogger at the domain that spotted a man running away. A taxi driver said a man ran out in front of his car. And another driver who saw him on the, or suspected they saw him, on a roadway going towards some shops. From these witnesses, the police were able to create a sketch. Uh, the night before the murder, around 9.30, 10 o'clock, a co-worker, an 18-year-old Flowey Maulu, I'm so sorry, Flowey, if I said that wrong. Uh, he called Lisa to ask her a question about work, forgetting that she was supposed to be there at 3.30 in the morning, I'm sure, uh, and likely waking her up. He claimed that they had a short conversation. Everything seemed normal. The police also noted that nothing in her home seemed out of place and that there was no reason to believe that there was any type of distress prior to the event. They would also offer multiple rewards for information. Uh, in 1998, they offered $50,000, which was at the time one of the largest rewards New Zealand had ever offered in return for information on a crime. But no information that was significant was produced from this. They offered uh, a reward in 2009, again, of $50,000 to be paid for, quote, material information or evidence which leads to the conviction of any person or persons responsible for the murder of Claire Hills. The commissioner of police will determine the amount of the reward and will apportion it if there are multiple complaints or people coming forward. An immunity against prosecution will be considered for any accomplice, not being the principal offender, uh, who shall first give such information or evidence. The reward offer was good until October 1st, 2009. Police received more than 50 calls, but again, nothing significant came of it. And the senior sergeant, Dave Lynch, said that although the reward had formally been, you know, expired, uh, that if anybody comes forward, they can negotiate for pay. So if y'all bitches know anything, that's still, you know, you call and get your dough. Just saying. Okay, so Peter... Lisa's ex-husband was questioned, but also suspected was repeated rapist William Makaraka. Makaraka. He was known for attacking women in South Auckland with a knife. And in fact, police were so convinced that Makaraka was the killer that they basically stopped investigating for close to a decade and just waited for him to slip up. <laughs> Good work. In June 2000, it was revealed that police had told Lisa's family that they knew who'd killed her, but did not have enough evidence for an arrest. However, both men were eliminated as suspects in 2007 when newer technology allowed for testing, and both men failed to match the sample of DNA that was taken from Lisa's body. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just gonna put this investigation up on a shelf for a decade. It's definitely this guy, right? Uh, Margaret, Lisa's mom, when she found out it wasn't Mukaraka, she said, We felt annoyed and let down. We were back to where we started and that it hadn't been solved. It alarms me that someone got away with murder. That's a great injustice. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. So her sisters, Linda Hysana, I hope I'm saying that right. Linda Hysana and uh, Allison Harris, they told the media that she was, she had been estranged from the family, but eventually they did reconcile. Uh, though her contact with their family members was few and far between. They said she didn't go into a lot of detail about her life because she just wasn't the type of person who was big on sharing details. Uh, she seemed to be happy in her life there and she didn't, they didn't expect for her to return to Australia at any point. They have said they are convinced that it was a random attack, but that the family has ultimately given up hope on ever getting the answers they deserve. Though they say that they are grateful. The police have kept the case open while the lead ultimately did fall through with Makaraka, 
Sergeant Lynch is still convinced that someone or a group of someones knows something about the crime, and he holds out hope that they will call in with the information. Meanwhile, Lisa's sister Allison says, It helps to think that they are still thinking about her, even though there is no one actively working on the file. 20 years is a long time, and unless someone confesses, we will never know. Sad but true. Sad but fucking true. Uh, They are, with this uh, DNA profile that they've come up with, this is a a later edition that I read last night that I did not see previously, so I don't actually have notes about this, so apologies if it's kind of all over the place. Um, They are trying to use the same methodology they used for the Golden Gate Golden State. Golden, what the fuck did I just say? Golden State Golden Killer. Gate. <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge. How they, they they got the bridge. They knew who the bridge was. But yeah, so they, they're hoping that they can use the like DNA send-in sites to try to weed out the person. They don't have any clues in New Zealand at this point. And Lynch has even said that they suspect it might be somebody who is out of the country now or dead or, you know, possibly you don't somebody who kills in such a brutal way like that. A, I agree with you. I would think that's personal. Um, But even if it's not, if you're that brutal about it, why would you only do it once? Well, the, the reason why I think that it's personal isn't because, and for clarification for listeners, isn't because of the method of the crime or using the fire to cover up the evidence. The reason why I think that it is a personal situation where it's an overkill situation is because of the not checking to make sure she's dead. Yeah. This seemed like someone who wanted her to hurt. And I mean, not to say that that couldn't just be a pure psychopath, too, but there's a lot of risk involved Yeah, with, you know, things being seen. What if somebody immediately near the fire was, a you know, worked in a fire department or emergency responder and could get in there? Yeah. You know, there's, you're relying on a lot of things to go wrong, when you're taking that big of a risk. And so it makes me think that whoever killed her, whoever killed her, wanted it to not be quick. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, typically, you know this, listeners, typically, if somebody wants to make you hurt that badly, they're either stupid fucked up in the head, I'm looking at you, Denny, or you've done something that has made them feel wronged in some type of way and they have a personal attachment to you that they feel the need to take out on you essentially yeah um like when you hear about husbands and wives killing each other and it's just insanely brutal and you find out later that he's been cheating on her or something and she feels betrayed and whatever yeah or you know, kids killing parents. Um, the Menendez brothers. I mean, there's there's so many. There's so many instances of it. Boyfriends and girlfriends. You don't see it as much with, like, parents killing children with overkill. But definitely, like... Oh, who's the girl? Gypsy? Gypsy Rose? Yeah, I'm trying to think what her last name is. I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, that's another good Blanchard. example. Yeah. That's another good example. That one, that one's an interesting case that I think we might need to do a. Oh, I agree. A big episode on because. Munchausen by proxy and. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of layers to that case, and that's one where, I thought I really knew the answers to it until I started watching documentaries and listening to podcasts, and now I'm like. I didn't know shit. Okay, but. <laughs> I was but a naive little turd. Yeah. Um, so I want to, real quick, huge, huge fucking shout out to TJ at the podcast New Zealand Mysteries, because a lot of her resources were what got me the information past the vague, this lady was burned alive, the end, uh, because she's from New Zealand. So 
um, through her resources, I was able to actually find a lot of this information. And she was really thorough. So great job, TJ. You're probably not listening, but I recognize you. <laughs> also, side note. Yes. Aussies and New Zealanders apparently say soccer and not football from the embarrassing amount of time I spent looking into that. They were like, the soccer, the soccer club. And I went, wait a minute. They can't use that word. Only we use that word. <laughs> and I spent a stupid amount of time looking into that. <laughs> who says soccer and who says football? Aussie man sometimes so, calls it footy. So North America. Australia. New Zealand. Australia, New Zealand. Yep. And everywhere else says football. The... Look, I basically only looked for New Zealand and Australia. I mean, football makes more sense to me. It's Way always more made sense. more sense to me. You know, I don't know if I've ever told you a uh, funny tangent, but that's how um, mom and dad, my mom and dad started dating. Football? Was because, yeah, my mom thought my dad was really cute and he was a looker and he was a younger guy. Like, he was a good looking guy. Well, yeah, and look at you. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. But well, no, so they. Uh, most so people mom... would say thank you, but sure. You just <laughs> laugh in my face. So mom uh, wanted to ask him out, but he didn't speak much English because he was like from Iran and he'd lived in New York for like six months or something and then moved to Oklahoma for college. And um, she asked him to go to a football game with her, and he thought it was going to be soccer, but it was American football. And so he got there and had no idea what was going on. Yep. <laughs> and she had to explain all the rules to him and, like, teach him how to do it. And then they, like, would continue to watch soccer and football together for the rest of their lives, and it was very cute. That's really cute. <sighs> Okay, uh, soccer is an abbreviation of association football, apparently. How? The SOC in association, I assume? Uh. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the map now, because now I'm, now I'm curious again, because here I am, <laughs> in a fucking true crime podcast. Apparently... Apparently, they don't call it anything in Antarctica. I don't know what they're doing there. Uh, probably not playing soccer. I know penguins play soccer. Don't fuck with me, Roya. Anyway, that's that's my story. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about hauntings, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, I found one location that I thought was really interesting, but I didn't think that there would be enough for a full episode about it, so I ended up picking two. Okay. And to cite sources, like Casey did, um, I got a lot of my research from the New Zealand Paranormal Society group um, and their website. Yo, shout out, New Zealanders. Thanks for putting your information online. Because <laughs> some of these countries could really take from your example... Do you know how hard it was for me to find shit in fucking Morocco? Come yeah, on. Yeah, pretty tricky. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to thank New Zealand. Oh, also thank you for Taika Waititi. <laughs> and Hobbits. No. Not. That, uh, they didn't, they didn't invent Hobbits. That's where all the Hobbits live, though. I have been led to believe. Anyway, Napier's prison. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Napier's prison was built in 1862 on Napier Hill. Um, it's a huge brick and stone structure with a very foreboding white stone entrance and barbed wire still adorning the tops of the walls. Still? Yeah. The building was used until 1993 and then completely decommissioned in 2002. And then it was used as a hostel <laughs> until 2007. Oh, that sounds great. So but, yeah, it's the used Hobbit as a hostel, stayed there, and there there's literally still rooms with like padded walls. Like there's still 
horrifying like remnants from when it was a prison like they didn't like renovate it they were just like put beds in here guys so (laughs) i got nothing i got nothing to say (laughs) i got zero comments four Um, stars there would stay again (laughs) there also I i don't know if this feline is still with us or not but there was a cat that lived there named basil or basil depending on how you say it basil so there is some belief from a couple of sources that i found that is thought that basil is the new body of a previous prisoner oh that lived there uh i say lived there that was an inmate there i mean he lived and and that the when they brought uh basil in the cat just seemed to have an innate knowledge of the layout of the prison and like how to get to certain areas and like the walkaways and even specific routes that would have been taken regularly. They also comment on um, there are some eerie similarities between. Uh, did you just change the background? I didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of this. Oh no, we're staying here. Oh, <laughs> okay. My apologies. Please continue. Uh, guys, just for a little <laughs> bit of a preface, because I'm totally leaving this in. Um, this is the first time Casey and I have decided to try doing a video chat instead of just an audio chat and Casey just decided to radically change her background like four times somehow. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> now she's living in like a cartoon factory in a sort of uh there's a robot behind her. It's very uh Powerpuff Girls style <laughs> Dexter's laboratory. That's fair. Um, but so this cat, Basil, because I know you love cats. Oh, you okay? Mine just got me. <laughs> oh no. Maybe he was also a prisoner at one point. Um, but there are more coincidences about uh, Basil reportedly looks like the prisoner that was in an inmate there. And the prisoner was described as having um, sort of dark spots on his skin, on his face, and then had uh, red hair and like a red mustache. And so this cat actually has like a red mustache, like red spots on his mouth. And then uh, is, I say he, but it's a calico, so it's a female cat, more than likely. More than likely. But... So it's mostly white with gray spots and then red spots. And so it has dark spots and a red mustache, just like Basil the inmate was described. Basil. So in 1931, there was a massive earthquake that affected the area Mm -hmm. that permanently left parts of the prison with warped walls and uh, buckled floors and ceilings. So there are some areas of the prison that give you sort of a a funhouse feeling where it's like the floors aren't completely straight or they don't like the, the floor and the doorway don't like line or like the hallways don't line up perfectly between two hallways. And the building... So, okay, so four inmates were hanged on the property in the entire time that it was a prison. Like, hanged, sent to death row hanged, not, like, randomly hanged. And two inmates are known to have been buried on the property and are still interred on the property. Um, There's also a slew of suicides that have happened on this property. Which I feel like is probably the unfortunate case for a lot of prisons. But this building wasn't just used as a prison and a hostel, though. No, no. It was also an orphanage. (laughs) You were close. And a psychiatric ward. (laughs) That follows. Both of which, pretty fucking dark. (laughs) Because keep in mind, it was a prison until 1993. Yeah. 
and then it was an orphanage and <laughs> a psychiatric ward between 1993 and 2002. They got a lot done in a decade. <laughs> um, and it comes complete with solitary confinement cells, some of which are still padded, and the padding is splitting and tearing. So you can see, like, the foam between the, like, fabric and the wall, which just adds more to, like, the creepy ick factor of that room. It's super creepy. I saw pictures of that room because I saw some uh, pages where people had gone because it's, like, a museum now. Mm -hmm. And you can walk through and do, like, a guided audio tour. And a lot of people were, like, really recommending it because it's left so much in its natural state from when it was a prison. Mm -hmm. So you really can get, like, a feel for prison life at the time periods that it was active. Because all the graffiti is still there and everything. So there are obviously some feelings of being watched, feeling generally uncomfortable, and just creepy feelings all throughout the prison while you're in there. Yeah. I mean, we all know that prisons aren't designed to be comfortable and warm and inviting. It's very, from the pictures I found, it's very claustrophobic. It's very tight spaces. The hallways are not wide enough for more than a couple of people to walk through. Uh, some of the pictures I've seen of the rooms after it got turned into a hostel were actually surprisingly nice. Like, didn't okay. look like a bad place to stay. But, so tour guides there have reported unexpected things such as unexplained footsteps, doors slamming, and floating disembodied faces. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that for me. There were reportedly, like I said, many suicides that happened here, as well as reports that some of the spirits can be seen reliving their final moments, either by suicide or in the hanging yard. Um, in the parole room, there is a spirit that has frequently made physical contact with people by very roughly shoving them around. So there was a mass murderer in New Zealand. Oh, they called him a mass murderer. He wasn't really a mass murderer. He killed. He's a um, family annihilator uh, named Roland Edwards. And he was held at the prison and is reportedly still haunting the grounds. So, basically, what I found out about him is that he... I thought I put it in here. Maybe I put it in a weird spot down to the bottom. Oh, yeah. He was put to death in prison in 19... Or in, uh, this guy's got a different last name, but the same first name. So, I'm not sure. Maybe it's two different people. Uh, but Roland Herbert was put to death in the prison in 1884... Um, after slitting the throats of his wife and children after having a premonition that they would die in a fire. And according to the legend about him, Roland was buried on the grounds of the prison in an upright position so that he could never find rest. And he is incidentally one of the spirits that's said to roam the property. Because, you know, that's what happens when you're not allowed to rest. Mm, yeah, that's not... Mm, that's not cute. Um, so one day a month, the whole prison gets a makeover and gets filled with actors doing a doing full-scale makeup for a scare tour. Oh, lovely. And they've also had their own experiences to report and corroborate a lot of the other statements about from the tour guides. Of unexplained footsteps, doors slamming, feeling like you're being watched, and things like that. So when the scare tour will have mock cell inspections, the actors have reported seeing spirits walking out of the opening cells as though they were following the processes that they had once before. People have reported being pushed to the side in hallways as if they were being pushed by someone trying to get by them. Some people have reported having panic attacks, from the feeling like they were being attacked by something that they couldn't see. And so it threw them into a state of panic. Mm -hmm. um, or hearing disembodied growling in certain cells. Growling? Yeah, growling. <laughs> yeah, it sounds exactly like that. Arrgh. Arrgh. <laughs> Alright, Buffy, calm down. 
There have also been spirits seen wandering in the prison cemetery, obviously, because it's a cemetery. Ugh. So, cell number two is somewhat notorious for having supernatural happenings go on. It is in a hallway that was considered the Suicide Watch Hall. Um, This particular cell belonged to the last person to die within the walls of the prison. And still scratched into the bunk bed, it reads, 1993, Wayne, in hell, F-A-Q-U-E, Fake. Um, it is alleged that Wayne was a young gang prospect who had been imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit, but took the blame for it for a higher ranking member of the gang as part of an initiation process. And for whatever reason, the pressure had become too much to bear for Wayne and he took his own life in cell number two by hanging himself with his own bedsheets from the window grating. Uh, Wayne was said to be between the age of 18 and 19, and like I said, was the last inmate to ever die in Napier Prison, ending his life a mere two weeks before the prison closed in 1993. That sucks. But that doesn't mean that his prison stay was over. So some people think that he was just the idea of getting moved to another prison while not having control of anything going on in your life and everything was just too much and he couldn't handle the idea of change and so he killed himself yeah um and the memorial that he left is still you can still go to the navier prison and see it still scratched into the bunk bed where he left it that's dark yeah um, so then the other one that I found that I thought was really interesting, I actually found a lot more than I was expecting to on it, but it is the Waitomo Caves Hotel. Ooh. So this hotel is in the heart of old Maori land. So that's probably not good. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to call this one like the, uh, Joelma building last, last week. Remember what Ken Hotate says. Two things about white people. They love Rachel Ray, and they are terrified of curses. That's right. That's right. This is second episode in a row that Ken gets brought up. <laughs> What's up, Ken? Such a good quote. In so some of- it, it comes up so regularly in my, like, normal day-to-day life for some reason. <laughs> there's, like a, there's, like, an alternate version of it where it's Matchbox 20 instead of Rachel Ray, but... I think Rachel Ray makes way more sense. Yeah. IMO. Um, So the hotel was built in 1908 and was renovated 20 years later in 1928 due to an increase of popularity and uh, population in the area. Okay. Um, It is a fairly, it's fairly famous and popular due to its unique New Zealand Victorian style. Um, And it's a really pretty hotel. So, but it kind of has that sort of like a southern plantation meets tropical getaway sort of feel to it. Think kind of like the like big palatial estates in Hawaii and stuff like that. So this hotel was built in and around the area of the Waitomo Caves. Many of these caves are regarded as tapu or sacred by the local Maori and are said to be inhabited by the Taniwa, uh, the guardian or predator beings that live in the deep pools and rivers, dark caves, or in the sea. And this was actually one that I was going to cover before I found the haunting places. And I apologize as I'm going to butcher it. Patupai Arihe who are, according to Maori folklore, a pale-skinned being or beings that live in deep forests and mountaintops in New Zealand and are said to lure people to their doom with ethereal flute music and singing. Uh, The Maori have also historically used these caves as burial grounds. Let's build. Yeah, I was like, if this, I was saying it to Elise, I was like, if this isn't the most white people bullshit, 
this is like how to get haunted 101. You're just like, all right, let's take a sacred burial ground that is by these like holy caves that supposedly have these predator beings in them. Yep. Check off all the boxes. It gets worse. Oh, great. I'm so excited. This area was also the site of many battles between the Maori King movement, uh, King Tonga, and the British Army. The Waitomo Caves Hotel was built on the site of a British fort that was used during these battles due to its defensible position and foreboding slopes. It's so dumb. So I'm like, a checklist of how to get haunted. Yeah. Take indigenous land that is sacred, that is a burial ground, that also has potentially predatory beings that want to kill you on it, that is also the site of many battles between you and those indigenous people, and is also the site of the fort that was used to abuse and take away the rights of those people. I mean, we're only at 6 out of 10. (laughs) So this, the Waitomo Caves Hotel is considered the fourth most haunted place in New Zealand and the first most haunted hotel in Zealand. New Zealand. Just regular Zealand. (laughs) Yeah, just regular Zealand. Old Zealand. Um, Director Guillermo del Toro claimed to have an encounter with a ghost when he stayed the night at the hotel. And the hotel is considered the single biggest inspiration for his 2015 film, Crimson Peak. Oh, I still haven't seen that. I haven't either. He had a shining moment with uh, Stanley Hotel and Stephen King. Hmm. So there's a legend that says that there was a Maori princess who fell in love with a British soldier. And after they had a romantic rendezvous... When she was leaving the fort, she was mistaken for a Maori soldier and was shot dead. Since her sudden and violent death, she has she is said to haunt the property. Good for her. Um, there's also a spirit in addition to her that's connected to the Maori princess. And I say Maori princess because that's literally the only thing I saw her reference to. Yeah. I'm sure that it's like Native American indigenous tribes where there wasn't really a princess but maybe there was in may pocahontas wasn't a princess people yep she was not a princess chiefs weren't kings opie can canoe was a heckin hottie though i mean but they do describe him as a maori king and not a Mm. maori chief so maybe there was a different hierarchy yeah but i don't know like don't come at me if Maoris don't actually have princesses that's literally just what i found her as you're you're gonna catch (laughs) some maori hands here there, so there's a spirit that's connected to her that's known as the ghost of room 14. And the story is that a young man was staying in this hotel and had a run in with the spirit of the Maori princess. She walked through him as he was in the hallway and instilled such a sudden sadness that he went back to his room and hung himself moments later. Oh. Also, casually, room 14 also was reported to have a bathtub that drips blood. Oh, man. Vampire night. For all your uh, Elizabeth Bathory dreams. There you go. Gotta keep this skin supple. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> the adjacent room, room 12, is also said to be frequented by the princess and moving lights have been reported in the bathroom, and bed sheets are pulled away, and toes get tickled in the middle Ooh, of the night. Ooh, I like it. I want to go. So another part of the hotel is known as Cat Alley. <gasps> uh, unfortunately, what? Unfortunately devoid of cats, oh. I can tell. Ugh. But False it is, advertisement, ghost. It is instead a small, a corridor filled with small rooms that catered to the workers and maids that stayed on the property. And one of the maid's sons was reportedly skipping and playing around the hotel when they happened into the kitchen and tipped a pot of boiling water over on top of himself 
and burned himself so badly that he died. Guests at the hotel have reported hearing skipping, giggling, and kids have been talked about being followed around by a, quote, weird little boy. (laughs) I mean, burned as fuck. So probably, yeah, I guess. He's just like like baby Deadpool. (laughs) Um, So room 12A, which is actually just room 13, but they don't call it room 13 is reputed to be a hotbed of activity with footprints forming in talcum powder that's spilt on the ground and objects being moved around. Room 25 is unpopular with the staff and there are reports of bad feelings and screams and a further movement of objects. So it sounds like if you want to get haunted by some Maori ghosts, go to the Waitomo caves hotel let's go or don't it's up to you i would do a ouija board at the hotel at not my house which fyi elise was like that's absolutely not happening (laughs) i'm so upset i would have have (laughs) driven out there and been like let's do this i'm here for this i don't know if i tell her you would drive out here that might change her opinion i don't think it will i think i i don't know elise super well but i think i know her well enough to know that that's that's still a a hard no (laughs) yeah she she's not a very uh believing in ghost person um but she is also in the same vein of like why risk it yeah Why, why take the chance like i don't want to find out it's real this way I want you to know that since you started talking about prison, I've just been sitting here singing in my head, I don't wanna be free. Markiplier. Have you watched a heist with Markiplier? No. Oh, well, you need to watch a heist with Markiplier, clearly. Oh my god, did you watch the, um, the trying to capture the he-who? I have not watched that one yet. It just popped up on my phone. Yeah, oh my god. (laughs) You make sure that you sit because there's like this weird fake, um, like, you know how documentaries will sometimes end with like, especially like true crime stuff will end with like, and -and so-and-so was in prison for this long and then was released on these dates and like the surviving victims do this stuff now and that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So they do that, but for the end of the the fake documentary that they made about trying to capture Caveman Mark, (laughs) it's just really funny and absolutely bonkers. Yeah, you need to listen to, or you need to watch A High School Markiplier because he does so much singing and he's so good. I thought you didn't like his singing. No, I don't like him singing, like, seriously. Oh. Like, when he's like... I don't like that. I like he's, uh, his show tune singing is very good. But he's not trying to be all dramatic and he's just letting himself be funny. I like Eve's singing. Don't put this in because if Mark ever listens, I don't want him to be insulted by my critique. Oh, Jesus Christ. That would be cool. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be cool if he was insulted was- by my critique. We'll tag him in it on on, on Twitter. Okay, but don't like, put it. Hey, we talked about you. Don't don't put it. Eve is a beautiful singer. Uh, that that wow, moment. Wow, wow, but that moment right there of me just going, please don't put that in. That was me being Eve. That was a very Eve moment. I don't know if you caught that. Eve and I, we are. Uh, brothers from another mother or something i think i got a, a little less adhd though yeah he anyway uh <laughs> you're also not like 24 anymore so who knows when you were 24 wow 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 what a miserable person you'd be around be to be around aren't you glad you basically didn't have to talk to me then because i was in school yes and no <laughs> all right let's wrap this up all what right what you say Go, go, go. Thanks for joining us today. As we (laughs) fuck (laughs) off. (laughs) I've written this. It's very funny. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today as we explore the strange and unusual of New Zealand. Next week, we're heading back to Japan because Roy is a giant weeb. 
Oh, we hope that you reach out to us with your own experiences. We want your stories, your questions, and your feedback. Send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. If you're sending a story, we just ask that you put listener story in the subject line so that we can sort through those a little more easily. Do you know of any haunted jails that were also hostels, daycare centers, and asylums? Did you watch A Heist with Markiplier? We want to know probably gonna cut all that part out so that's funny <laughs> i'm just gonna leave you talking about it at the very end of- don't know you gotta because i think it was very good all right you can also find us on instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast or our personal accounts roy rampage and calamity casey where we post the weird shit in our personal lives you can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual at calamity Casey and at Roy Rampage. We are also on Facebook. Just search for the strange and unusual podcast. If you'd like to help support us, you can join us over on patreon.com slash strange unusual, where we have various special things such as, um, episodes you won't hear in the standard run of the podcast, We have special polls that go up. We have a Discord. We have an option for you to be able to choose where we go, what we cover, um, and all that sort of stuff. But we also understand that right now with COVID and everything going on in our world that, you know, times are tough and money can be tight. So if you're unable to support us on Patreon, we totally understand But if you could take a moment to just, you know, like, share, subscribe, leave a review for the podcast if you enjoy it, we'd really appreciate it. Share it with somebody you know that might like it on Facebook or, you know, recommend us to some friends looking for new podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Helps us out a lot to continue doing what we are enjoying doing. Hell yeah. Alright, bye. Oh my god, what are you doing? I'm dancing. Why are you dancing? Do you dance at the end of every episode and this is just the first time I'm seeing it? So that's a yes. Alright, got it. Bye.